Today we continue our series on the meaning of faith. We've spent some time exploring just what it means to have faith, especially in the midst of a pandemic. We looked at whether we need to just have faith or what we really need is faithfulness. Both have their place, but faith is ultimately about trusting God and the call the Lord places on our lives. Last week, we looked at prioritizing our faith and how even Michael Jordan needed a supporting cast to win championships. We grow in faith when we have people surrounding us, encouraging us to grow. So today, on this Mother's Day, we look at how to tell others about our faith. And what better example could we look to than mothers? Let's take a look at our scripture for today from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Here now... God's word. The rich man. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus looking, looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. So then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold, both now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And from 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Moms can be truly amazing people, but sometimes even mothers can be taken by surprise by something that seems obvious to others. TLC used to have a show called I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. Now it's all just teen mom, but back then the shtick was women were pregnant for months, sometimes all the way up to the moment of giving birth, all without knowing it. Now, it seems impossible to many of us, but a group of women interviewed with one of the surprise mothers asking, how could this happen? 
And the answer might surprise you. Usually people don't know they are pregnant because they think something else is wrong with them. They think they are sick or have cancer and blame symptoms on that. Others think they can't get pregnant, either because they are infertile or because they are on birth control. But the biggest factor, I think, is when someone gets a false negative test. We hear about false positives more often because if you're going to make a mistake, you want it to be one that causes you to take action. But in this case, Jennifer, the, the surprise mom, took two pregnancy tests and both came back negative. She was sure she was not having a baby. That is, until a doctor ordered a sonogram three days before she gave birth. A psychiatrist, Dr. Dresner, explains that this is not so strange. It happens in all kinds of medical situations. People are told about tumors and sores that won't heal, such obvious medical needs, but they ignore it. With one particular test, people are called up by the doctor to say that their test came back abnormal and they really need to have a follow-up. And 30% of the time, patients will not follow up with a procedure. Dr. Dresner says people will minimize what it might mean or are so afraid that they will not return to take care of their own bodies. But when it's a baby... There is just no denying that reality when you are about to give birth. We could sum up this way of thinking with a simple phrase, seeing is believing. That's how many people live their lives. They don't believe something is true until they can see it with their own eyes. They might even act like something, even something awful, is not true because they can't see it. Now, that might seem like the opposite of faith. A couple of weeks ago, we heard Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the conviction of things not seen. That sounds like you believe it even before you see it. But maybe this isn't so much about what you see. Maybe the faith we are talking about is really about taking action even before you can see anything. Maybe this is about dreaming a dream and working toward making it a reality. When Jesus was asked his question by the rich man, faith was at the forefront of his question. He asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus then lists five of ten commandments he needs to follow. It's all the commandments that deal with human relationships and can be tested. So Jesus doesn't say, do you covet? Because that's a sin of the heart. You can't necessarily see that. But lying, cheating, murder, you can absolutely see the results of those things. And because most well-raised, educated Jewish men followed these rules, the rich man says, Jesus, I've done all these things. This is where Jesus moves from what we see to what we believe. He tells him to do one more thing, sell all his possessions, and come follow Jesus. This request from Jesus is extreme. Don't ignore that. Most religious people in this time would say charity was good, but giving everything away? Nobody did that. The point Jesus is making is one of values. What is more important, wealth or the true teaching of God? 
See, usually we think well of a rich person who gives money to support some great work. You donate money to build a new church, a new hospital wing, and people think, hey, what a great guy, what a great girl they are. Uh, But Jesus turns things on their head. He says, it's not money that makes you great or even generosity. In fact, money makes it even harder to enter the kingdom of God. That's the line. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Some folks may have heard that the eye of the needle is the name of a gate in Jerusalem. A camel would have to awkwardly lower its head to get through this gate, but that's probably a bad interpretation for two reasons. One, Jesus is in Judea and Jordan, not down south near Israel. And two, the eye of the needle gate wasn't built until medieval times, if at all. So there's no gate that he's referring to here. What what then is Jesus saying? He's saying rich people getting to heaven is like camels going through the tiny eye of a threading needle. It's essentially impossible because when money is what you live for, money, uh, a God is not what you're living for. Live for money, then you're not living for God. What makes a person great is valuing what God values. And we learn exactly what those values are by the end of the story. The disciples say, look, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. And Jesus affirms it. Yes, leaving your home and fields, brothers, sisters, even a mother or father or children is part of what it looks like to take on my values. Now, that can be a very hard thing for us to hear. Faith isn't what we say. It's what we do, even up to the point of leaving the people and things that we love most for the sake of God's kingdom. Now, I hope I'm not rationalizing here, but I I don't think Jesus is calling everyone to pick up and abandon their families. We know 1 Timothy 5.8 says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty clear that taking care of your family is really important. And I've shared before how honoring your mother and father is a command to care for those who raised us as they are getting older. But I wonder if there isn't another way to think about leaving your home and fields and family that that might be helpful to us. Have you ever had a, a broken relationship with someone? I mean, a relationship that is absolutely toxic and seemed beyond repair. My wife Emily and I were were dating for about a year when we realized our relationship was broken. I would say, looking back on it, it was largely my fault. I was not being fair in my treatment of her, so we ended up breaking up. The pain we were inflicting on each other was too much, even though we had endless love for one another. That distance, that separation over the next year, gave us a chance to work on ourselves, to grow and mature. And after some time apart, we got back together. Now we are married, we have a beautiful home, two amazing children, a great community, and even a foster baby. Emily is an incredible mother, and I could not imagine my life without her. But if our relationship 
was still like it was, it wouldn't be worth it. I'd give everything away to make the relationship right with Emily. I think that kind of transformation is at the heart of Jesus' words. You don't have to abandon your family and move across the world to live for Jesus. You don't have to cut off all communication to people to let them know that you're serious about your faith. And you don't need to constantly share your faith to encourage people to follow Christ. Instead, I see transformed relationships as the goal. And that comes through loving people. We may not always love rightly, but when we pursue Jesus and model our lives after his, love grows. We experience transformation in our relationships with others. We move from selfish and self-centered to kind and other-centered. Our values change from worldly to those of the kingdom of God. And Jesus declares that on the other side of losing homes and brothers and sisters and mothers, fathers and children, we gain homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and children along with eternal life. Broken relationships with God and with one one another are made right. Valuing the kingdom of God repairs and renews us and opens the way for others. And that is the greatest path to evangelism there is. Loving well. Loving as God would love others. Not just by what you say, but by what you do. Let me end with this. Uh, My mom used to work at a hair salon, and one day a young woman came in to apply for a job. This woman, Crystal, was a single mother with two children, and my mom understood the challenges she faced and wanted to help. So she invited Crystal and her children out to eat at a restaurant. Uh, at Christmas time, my parents drove the children through the neighborhood to look at the, the Christmas lights and bought the kids a whole bunch of Christmas presents. They babysat the kids in the evening so Crystal could work late and even helped her move when she was ready to get out of the Section 8 housing. At one point, they even gave their used car to her because it was more reliable than her current one. One day, the kids asked if they could call my mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. They said, yes, of course, and every year, Crystal buys my mom a Mother's Day card. When my parents moved to Florida, they flew Crystal and her kids to visit and took them to Disney World. When I asked my mom about how she felt about the years and years of this relationship, this is what she said. I feel so loved by her. She adopted me as a mother. Even as my mom sought to share God's love with another person, it was my mom who benefited Not because of money or possessions, but because of a transformed relationship. She loved like God loves us. And so she was loved right back. And I want you to know today a love like that. A love that transforms and reveals the good news of God's love to all that you need. Amen? Amen.